as Gordon said previously, uh, I was a member of the Swedish Commission to Inquiry into Child Abuse and Neglect in Institutions and Foster Homes. Uh, this was an inquiry that ran between 2006 and 2011, so we were working for five years. We interviewed 866 people, former care leavers, that told about abuse. We had contact with approximately 2,000 people, but all didn't show up at the interviews because there was so long waiting list. Um, so it, the final report is built on the testimonies of 866 care leavers and also the, the archival records that they, they gave us permission to collect in the, from the case files. So we, we built on interviews and the, the informant's case files. And just to take you on a brief journey what happened after the inquiry, because it was presented in 2011, and later that autumn um, there was an apology ceremony uh, where the, the chair of the parliament apologized on behalf of the, the Swedish parliament and the Swedish society to the victims of what had happened. And during the time there were a lot of debates whether also a redress package would be issued, whether it would be financial compensation or not. And this was debated, but finally in 2012 there came a law that was a financial redress, uh, redress compensation that it, it should be issued. Uh, and this law uh, entitled each awarded climate to 250,000 Swedish crowns. That is approximately, I think, 27,000 euros. I don't know what's in, in pounds, but if you can translate euros. Uh, so 27,000 uh, euros for abuse that occurred in out-of-home care, municipal care, between 1920 to 1980. And then you should know that the inquiry that I worked in previously, we interviewed people that had been abused from the 1920s up to the early 2000s. So here, in when, when it came to, to the redress, uh, redress scheme, they set a limit at 1980. Okay, and an extraordinary feature of the Swedish financial compensation scheme is that it was limited to only two possible outcomes. Either you got this flat payment or you did get nothing at all. Um, and applications uh, were decided by something that was called the Financial Redress Board. Uh, they operated 2013 to 2016, and by that time, 5,285 applications had been filed, but 58% of them became rejected. And that means that the Swedish Readers Board actually came to spend less than half of the uh, amount of money the Swedish government had budgeted for compensation. So from the state's point of view, the redress process is closed now, inquiries have been conducted, an official apology has been offered, and a temporary um, uh, financial redress scheme has been carried out. However, to many survivors, they probably disagree that uh, redress and historical justice has been achieved. So, 
when it comes to the uses of history in all this. Uh, how history has been used in this process depends on what stage in the process we are talking about. Historical knowledge has certainly informed parts of this process, but been ignored at other stages. And I will give you just one example of this. But I can say in the, in the inquiry that I worked in, history was used for a variety of, uh, of things that we took, uh, did research on. For example, we detailed how the child welfare system was organized, and, and we discovered that man, many children were placed privately, not by the authorities that came to be, um, that ma made it m all more complex when we realized that, that children were privately placed. Um, but we also used history to explain and uh, explore different differences of information between what the in informants told us in the interviews and what was recorded in their case files. So we used historical methods to explore that. But the example I wanted to tell you about is also how history was, was used when it came to define what abuse is, or were, or is. Uh, because a major issue for us in the inquiry was this definition of abuse, because there was this thinking, well, but back in the days, uh, how, how were people treated? How were children treated back then? Uh, should the definition of abuse be contextualized in relation to how children in general were treated? Uh, or should the definition of abuse be more contextualized in the relation to state and municipal regulations of what was good care or bad care? And uh, we did a lot of work into this and actually we were able to conclude that research is too scant when to say something definite about how children in general were treated at different points in time. If you want to contextualize uh, abuse in that way, you will have to, to also see age, you will have to see gender, you will have to see class and, and everything. So we, we decided, no, we cannot go for a definition uh, of abuse that takes all these uh, uh, structures into account. We have to come to a definition that is, that is more, more broadly defined. And then we came to look at state regulations of abuse. And we found out that there were state regulations already in the 1940s that prohibited corporal punishment. It prohibited uh, forced feeding, and it prohibited isolation and meal withdrawals and all kinds of uh, neglect, right? Uh, and this was a consequence of more progressive ideas that started to, to flourish after the Second World War and, and in relation also to developmental psychology. But, so even if we defined abuse in this way, the subsequent financial redress scheme uh, in, this, uh, in the law and the, the bill that governed their work, this knowledge was ignored. So the Financial Redress Board only compensated severe abuse 
and the definition of severe abuse uh, was related to what was considered normal back in the time. Even though the historical research had proved that this would be a very tricky matter to prove what was normal in different times. And this is how you can see how history, I, I would say history, because the, the Financial Redress Board operated this way, history really matters, but it, historical knowledge was ignored, but history really matters. Without a historical understanding of abuse and an elaborate uh, reflection of how you shall define abuse, you will end up with, with these kinds of definitions. And I cannot answer why this happened. Um, maybe it's up to, uh, to me or other people as historians that we should have stood up even more and argued as to why <coughs> this was probably not a good thing to do, to have this definition of what was normal back in the days. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.